0: Welcome back to In The Queue: film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host Phil, and when I look back on this film, I recall many elements that I liked, but then I hmm. remember the abject hatred I felt while watching the movie as a whole.
1: Ooh, Ooh this is going to be a fun conversation. Oh boy. I am Andrew, your other co-host, and I really wish that films that choose to take us particular period as their setting would more often do as good a job of nailing the sort of tactile feel of that time as this film does
0: interesting well how would you know if you haven't lived through that time though
1: well uh, fair enough but like I mean I grew up in the 80s and the 70s were still you know the furniture was still from the 70s and the and in Ireland no less <laughs> <laughs> Was, was this in Ireland? I yeah, thought it, it was outside of London. It was
0: filmed in Ireland, and whether it actually took place in Ireland I think may be up for debate because a lot of this film kind of leaves some things sort of to be imagined, I would say.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: But the film that we're talking about today is High Rise. It mm-hmm. is the latest film by director Ben Wheatley uh, based on a J.G. Ballard novel of the same name. And it's got a great cast: Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Irons, Sienna Miller, Luke Evans, among others. Um, so mm. we're going to talk all about this film. I sense there may be a disagreement uh, brewing mm. between us. Uh, but before we get to that, perhaps, perhaps we shall see. Uh, before we get to that, I'd like to tell you, you guys out there, where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q. dot com. And on our blog, all of our episodes are posted, including capsule summaries that I write for every film. Uh, You can actually go back to the very beginning and listen to the very first episode all the way up to the newest one.
1: All the way. All the way.
0: Um, We also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Q. Q Q-U-E-U-E is how it's spelled. On our Facebook page, once again, all of our episodes are listed, along with uh, supplemental things that we post to kind of sweeten the pot for whatever film we happen to be talking Ooh, about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and the nice thing about our Facebook page is that, uh, as is the nature of Facebook, you can leave comments and listener requests for movies you would like us to review, and we will get in touch with you, and we would love to have you on the show with us to talk about the film. That's something we do every week. We always have a listener uh, come on to the show, and uh, we really, we really dig it so yeah we do so visit our Facebook page and uh, give us some listener requests also in the social media universe we have a Twitter it is at ITQ podcast one word follow us and we'll follow you back and lastly we have an iTunes account uh, you can search iTunes for our podcast and subscribe to us and all of our episodes will be delivered to you toot sweet as they are released twice a week and it's amazing
1: I think that's your favorite phrase to use, in reference to our iTunes page. Too sweet. Yes,
0: it's a good phrase, right?
1: Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a great phrase. A lot great of phrase. French
0: f- phrases have been adopted into the English language and taken as our own. Indeed, and that's indeed they have. It's like we'll have a little rendezvous on in the queue. Uh, yeah, so the film today is. High rise, and uh, this project actually has been long gestating. Uh, the novel mm, was written yeah. in the 70s, the film takes place in the 70s, um, and uh, it was originally going to be optioned for the director Nicholas Rogue, who I think would have been a perfect choice to adapt this story based on what I've seen in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, sadly, Nicholas Rogue is no longer with us and did not adapt this film. Ben Wheatley did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to give you a little uh, sort of summary. This is not exactly a very plot-driven film.
1: Uh, No. Kind of. It's it's much more about the feel.
0: The feel, yeah. yeah. The theme, the thematic elements. Yeah. Uh, It pays homage to some very notable films, which I would love to talk about with you, Andrew, about where this film Hmm. is, where the predecessors of this film came from. Sure, sure. Uh, But basically, the story is, it takes place almost entirely in this tower block uh, where a lot of well-to-do, wealthy, upper-crust British people live, and Lang, Robert Lang, is a physiologist who moves into the uh, tower block for the first time, and here you have a classic example of a type of plot device, which is... Some some say Leo Tolstoy said this, some say John Gardner said this, but what somebody said, and I mentioned this when we did our Green Room se- uh, episode, Oh yeah. and that is, there are two plots. There is a hero goes on a journey, and a stranger comes to town. Mm-hmm. This film is most definitely a story about a stranger coming to town. And uh, Lang is that stranger, and he deals with the brain, uh, he deals with Mental issues, mental health issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for a moment, I wondered if he was supposed to be modeled after R.D. Lang, who was the 1970s um, psychologist who was famous for saying that um, the only sane response to an insane world is mental illness. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but that particular philosophy I think would be really at home in this film. Um, but uh, I don't think he was supposed to be R.D. Lang, I think it was just a coincidence. Um, that they have the same last name. Um, but so what happens when he moves into this tower block is he gets acclimated, he meets all kinds of quirky people, and eventually the power goes out. And mm-hmm. after that happens, all hell breaks loose in this building and it just becomes a descent into savagery and uh, animalistic behavior. Um, we actually get a taste of that in the very beginning. Um, we see him roasting a dog's leg on a spit, mm-hmm. um, and we see, we sort of see, oh my god, what what the hell happened? And then for the rest of the film, we see how it happened. Um, anyways, I really hated watching this movie. Um, I, yeah, I, so you said it, I thought. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a really uh, disjointed film. Uh, very episodic um and and almost like totally psychotic like the 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 logic of the film was was so demented and so kind of hard to hard to stand it was so ugly and and hmm. um, it was really kind of. Unpleasant to watch, and and certain films can be ugly and and still be good films. But I found that this movie to be just kind of oddly written and and kind of random, and 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 there was no real sort of story other than the fact that they descent into savagery.
1: Well, I think I'm going to agree with you on that point. Yeah, um, I do. I do think it was very oddly written. I think it's a strange screenplay, and. I haven't the foggiest idea what the J.G. Ballard novel looks like. I've never read any Ballard. Mm-hmm. Even though he from the films that his movies are based off of, he seems like a writer that I would be very interested in reading. Crash. So yeah. So perhaps one of these days I'll actually pick up a Ballard novel and, and start to delve into it. Mm-hmm. But the the curious thing about this film is exactly what you're talking about. It seems like so much of it is unmotivated or loosely connected or, Mm -hmm. uh, or it makes these sort of magical leaps of, of levels of disorder or chaos that seem totally unmotivated by what's going (laughs) on. And, and I, I found it to be, I found it to be sort of like one long wash. There's a sort of inciting incident that comes relatively early in the film I would say probably maybe 20 or 30 minutes probably about 30 maybe even 40 minutes in mm-hmm. uh, wherein one of the members of the upper echelons of society commits suicide
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and this sort of sends everything into a tailspin of chaos and uh insanity yeah the high rise descends into madness mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of interesting stuff to be said in this film i mean it's a very interesting setting it's a very interesting concept and stylishly
0: uh, just, stylishly directed and, and photographed
1: very stylishly directed and photographed and very well acted i would say i mean yeah i think tom hiddleston is quite excellent jeremy irons is great um uh luke Luke Evans, I think is his name. Yeah, and I actually, I haven't uh, seen him in anything before,
0: but I was watching this movie and I kind of was interested in his performance, but the moment that I realized I liked Luke Evans in this movie mm-hmm. was that scene where he is shouting at Tom Hiddleston through his door, and in glorious yeah. high definition, you can see the saliva flying out of Luke Evans' mouth and hitting <laughs> the door and dripping down the door. And yeah, it's I, really... And I thought that he, he kind of he was the perfect person for this film because because he, he comes across as a total psychopath, and that's what this movie is. This movie is, is psychotic. It's not grounded in reality at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Sienna Miller is in this as well, who we've talked about before on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, back when we talked about the film Layer Cake. And also American Sniper, too. And American Sniper, I, I couldn't
0: believe that it's it was true. the same actress when
1: I saw High Rise. She's an excellent actress. Uh, and so there's a lot of really great performances, but the performances, it seems to amount to very little. I mean, the film itself promises so much in that opening that you mentioned, yeah. right? Uh, I found it to be a very interesting and compelling opening and one that really whet my appetite for this to get really intense. Right. Yeah. And then I never found it reaching that level of intensity. I mean, I've seen plenty of dystopian films in my time. Some of my favorite movies are dystopian films, Brazil being one of those, which yes. we talked about on this podcast. Yeah. And by the end of Brazil, I'm like on the edge of my seat and I'm, you know i'm I'm tense. i'm I've got this feeling of tension and fear and sadness and you mm-hmm. know all of these things. And this film, I, I was kind of like, well, I guess this is all happening, yeah. <laughs> but I, I never felt I never felt it. Like I never. First of all, I never had a really strong connection to any of the characters. I mean, uh, Hiddleston's Lang is very relatable. He's charming. He's he's an interesting character, e- even if he's a little bland as like a human being. Uh-huh. But um, everybody was so unlikable, and everybody had such. Ulterior motives of one form or another.
0: Yeah, did you like Elizabeth it, Moss?
1: I did like Elizabeth. I mean, she was, I suppose, the the most relatable character in the film. The most uh, she she was likable. She was an odd choice for this movie, don't you think? I think she was a good choice for that role.
0: Well, yeah, she she pulled it off. But I I just thought, why is Elizabeth Moss in this movie? Um, it was just interesting,
1: but. Yeah, it 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 is interesting. Um especially since I think every other actor in this film is British.
0: That's that's um, what I'm saying, yeah.
1: Yeah, she pulls off a solid British accent, uh which is great. Uh but yeah, I thought she I thought she was fine. She wasn't as consequential a character as I expected her to be based on how the film sort of unfolded.
0: Yeah, and I think the uh, film actually may have kind of played a trick on us. In one way, um, because mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss Moss's um, character is is very pregnant through most of yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, but as I recall, no no harm ever befalls her her unborn child, which uh, you know you, you would think that with all this mayhem going on. That, that, you know, it's kind of like the idea of, like, the gun on the wall in Act 1 gets fired by Act 3.
1: Chekhov's gun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I think that, I mean, we don't, you know, minor spoiler alert here, but by the end of the film, she has her baby. Mm-hmm. And at that point in the film, it's not going to come to harm because people are there to take care of it and, mm-hmm. I guess, bring it into the upper echelons of society or whatever is happening at the end it was unclear to me yeah <laughs> uh but her her jump from being like kind and mild-mannered and all that sort of stuff to wielding a knife when she answers the door was huge it, it was like in one scene she's doing the one thing and when in the next scene we see her she's doing the other yeah and it didn't seem to me like it didn't seem to me that there was that sort of gradual descent that build built tension yeah right it just seemed like it was always trying to tell us what's happening with this character now what's happening this with this character now and then it would just jump to another level of insanity
0: yeah i think that the director ben wheatley is clearly having a lot of uh fun and and certainly and he's 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 having a lot of you know dark satisfaction at taking down this class of rich people and every scene i think he's really having a lot of fun because it's very stylish to look at um, but it when you edit it all together and i will say that this film was co-written it was written by Amy Jump as a screenwriter i don't know
1: but she It's his it's his wife
0: oh and then they edited the film together
1: yeah, yeah, they are. They are a couple. They they've worked before on okay. films together.
0: Yeah, well, then maybe maybe they found something that works for them, but it didn't it didn't
1: work for me. Uh. Well, well, it's curious that you say that because, they're previously the probably the most prominent film that Ben Wheatley has made is a film called Kill List. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it, which which is a film that was endlessly recommended to me as. One of the best new horror films, just a really incredible film, just really, really cool, really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. And so I sought it out and I watched it. I think last year I saw it, and it's it is a very interesting film. It reminded me actually a lot of say The Wicker Man. Oh, okay. In terms of like the sort of mixing of of the the real world with with that of the sort of occult and and kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting in that regard, but I had a similar feeling at the end of that film that I had to, when I walked out of this film at the end, and that was just sort of a a, a lack of clear uh, progression or a lack of clear motivation for what is happening mm-hmm. in, in the film. And I, I say that on the part of the characters, but also on the part of the... Director, like it seems like it's unmotivated, sort of jumps to the next thing that needs to happen for the film to conclude.
0: Well, yeah, I hear you. And I think it's this movie I would call a satire. And I think that Ben Wheatley is maybe using that genre term as a way to kind of tell a story that makes a statement. Uh, and this mm-hmm. the statement is the most important thing to him, um, not so much the logic behind the statement, because um, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, it's it's just hard to kind of justify why people behave the way that they do in this mm-hmm. movie. But unless you measure it against some of the films that inspired High Rise, which uh, one would be Clockwork Orange um, Certainly, and even the the movie poster for High Rise is an homage to the, the original poster for Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also the, the the biggest influence is the the um, Exterminating Angel by Louis Spinweil.
1: Yeah, which I've never seen. I've never oh seen.
0: yeah, well the uh, the basic you know can what's the term? The basic device of Exterminating Angel is you've got a dinner mm-hmm. party. At somebody's, you know, very large mansion, um, and all these rich people are there. They're all having a huge feast, and but then at the end of the evening, when they go to leave the drawing room of the of the house to go home, they find they simply cannot leave.
1: Yeah, this is very. It's like the inverse of the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Also by Bunwell. Also by Bunuel, yeah. where they always want to sit down and eat, but they can never actually I love have, have, have the meal. I think
0: um, B- Bunuel, I think he's one of the absolute greatest. And uh, I love his humor. And so what happens in The ex- in the Exterminating Angel, I won't give it all away, Andrew, but I would recommend checking it out.
1: Of um, course. yeah. As,
0: as this group of rich people find themselves unable to leave, then they descend into savagery and... Bloodlust, and and you know it it gets very deep, you know, dehumanized. Mm -hmm. But the thing about exterminating angel is that it takes meticulous measures to logically show what these people are going through as people and what Mm -hmm. motivates them to act that the way that they do. So there, Mm -hmm. by that token, the exterminating angel it didn't have enough surrealism for me at the time that I saw it, because I really mm. I really like Bunuel when he gets very funny and very surreal. Of um, course, yeah. But here you've got in High Rise, total constant surrealism and almost no justification for why people behave the way that they behave. Yeah. And some people have said about High Rise, why don't they just leave the High Rise?
1: <laughs>
0: you know, why not just leave? and yep. that harkens back to the exterminating angel argument uh so i think that, that that film definitely uh bore its mark on ben wheatley's movie
1: certainly and and uh that what what you mentioned about it sort of having no logical progression in the same way that the exterminating angel does mm-hmm. right um from one event to the next I, I think it's interesting because I went to see this with a friend of mine and he I talked I talked about that very thing like the idea that it didn't seem like things flowed into one another in a logical way mm-hmm. and he was saying well he thought it hit the nail right on the head in terms of the satire right yeah he was like oh this is like a perfect evisceration of our societal structure and caste system and and the way that our you know uh, sort of divide between the rich and poor mm-hmm plays out in the world
0: or in this case the rich and the richer yeah yeah right because everybody everybody who lives in this tower is wealthy
1: yeah they have the money to be able to move in it's just that those at the top yeah Yeah. i mean you can always there's always going to be somebody who has more than you right yeah um in one way or another Mm -hmm. and i think it's human nature to be jealous and want what you don't have yeah right And you know, in in this film, I I said to him, I was like, yeah, it 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 may work on that level, it may work on that satirical level, it may work on that sort of you know critique of society as as it stands right now, especially in this moment in time when economic inequality is so high. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But it's also as a film, hopefully going to take us along for a ride that is entertaining or informative or mm-hmm. anything. I'm not sure that I, at the end of this understand what I'm supposed to feel about anybody in it. Yeah. Um, I mean the only thing that I can, I can make sense of is that Lang our, our hero ostensibly even in, in the Greek sense right. is the, the way to exist in this world is to insulate yourself emotionally from it like mm. just totally like even going so far as to essentially by the end of the film have a, like a some sort of break some sort of mental break where you mm-hmm. now think of yourself in the third person you know right because uh, he starts he speaks about himself in, in both the voiceover and to other people at the end of the film in the third person which is a very strange thing
0: yeah, yeah, it is strange, and uh, I think the book would probably be very interesting to read.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if I wouldn't have a much better time watching this if I had read the book.
0: Yeah. Um. But my 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 overall feeling though was one of just just real displeasure at watching High Rise, and mm. um, I think that. It, it contains some other homages to, to movies that I've seen which kind of amused me like like there's a, definitely some Barry Lyndon references uh, mm-hmm. both in the there's a scene where they have like a costume party with that particular type of time period and mm-hmm. there's also a shot where that seems to be lit almost entirely by candles mm-hmm. um, which reminded me of Barry Lyndon and I think that yeah, yeah. I think that Ben Wheatley is, is winking at us with, with things like that um but uh, the move i feel like—I feel like High Rise does not contribute much to to the discussion, the ongoing discussion, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel very similarly. I I think it's an interesting film in some ways, and I think that Ben Wheatley is a very interesting and talented director. I think that he certainly has a command of style. He has a command of. Uh, time and place and setting. I mean, the setting of kill list, the setting of this film both feel very real, very lived in, very, uh, Mm -hmm. very natural for the people in the films to exist in, uh, which is no small feat. I mean, there's some directors who, who can't really make that happen. And I think that he has something to say. I'm just, it just, it just feels to me like it was clumsily told and again, perhaps this is perhaps this would be cleared up if I had uh, read the novel. But I don't think that a film should exist in a space where you have to have read the source material in order for you to yeah. appreciate what's going on in the film. I, I would agree.
0: I think a film or a novel should stand on their own, yeah, with no yeah. other you know footnotes needed, uh, unless it's like Ulysses, which needs a lot of footnotes. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: Well, any any Joyce, I think, needs a lot of footnotes. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess you know we're sort of on the same page. I kind of I was wondering, Andrew, if if you were going to love this movie. Uh, I thought you would either dislike it or love it.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm I'm leaning towards dislike. I'm I'm really kind of ambivalent about it because I I found it to be. Interesting at points and, and engaging at points, but then it would just as quickly lose me. In fact, I found the whole ending of the film to be boring. I found it to be just tremendously boring.
0: You, you didn't like the, that cool kaleidoscopic effect when Luke Evans is getting stabbed?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. All right,
0: well, I guess we'll leave it at that. Um, that's our episode about... High Rise, directed by Ben Wheatley, based on the J.G. Ballard novel. Um, Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for our next episode, listeners, which is going to be a listener's request. Uh, It's going to be the film Clean Shaven, which is an indie film by Lodge Kerrigan. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a vivid and penetrating study about the life of a man with schizophrenia. Yeah, I'm so very,
1: very excited to talk about this, and we're going to have Aaron back, who is probably our most frequent—no, maybe not most frequent contributor. We haven't had him more.
0: for a while. We haven't had him since Trick or Treat, have we?
1: I shouldn't say most frequent. I should say most. He has—he's con- been on more shows than almost anybody else. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. So it'll be exciting to have him back and talk to him about this movie because it's a very interesting film. Cool. we'll, we'll see you then.